0: Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we look at the book of James over the course of the next few weeks and see these pressure points, these these times in our lives where we feel the tension of questions that seem difficult to answer, of problems that pop up in our Christian lives, we see answers in the book of James. Answers that help us to see the grace of God even in the difficult times. Today, we're going to see specifically, what about the problem of suffering? How are we supposed to understand it when God allows us to suffer in this life? You're all here today. The calendar has flipped over. It's no longer 2022, but 2023. And you can't help but think, right? What this next year might hold? What is 2023 going to be like? And it's not wrong for us to think that maybe 2023 will be the best year ever, right? It's going to be filled with God's blessings. It's going to be the greatest year we've ever experienced. And certainly that's a fair thing, a good thing to pray for. But if we're real, don't we know that 2023 might not turn out exactly how we think it should? Isn't it possible that 2023 might hold some difficult days for us, too? Some days of suffering? Maybe my plans won't go according to the way I want them to. Maybe something even more serious will happen. I'll have a serious health issue. Maybe even death. I know that's not a cheery thought for January 1st, 2023, But it is real, right? Isn't it something that we have to prepare ourselves for? To think about the fact that not everything that happens in this life and in this world is always exactly what we want it to be? And James addresses that in chapter 1 of his epistle, of his letter. He addresses how we're supposed to think about suffering. You see, here's what happens. We know that God is love. We know that God has all power and so it makes sense to us to think that maybe god should just keep all suffering away from us and life should just be easy every single day. We think about happiness. And sometimes we equate happiness with the word joy. And today James teaches us that while they can be the same thing, they're not always. Today we're going to see this question, what about suffering? And as we look at a few verses from James, chapter 1, he's going to give us three things that we can count on when it comes to the problem of suffering. The first one, he says, it's going to happen. We will experience trials. But then James reminds us that we grow from those trials. And then finally, that we'll ultimately overcome those trials. Listen to verses 2 and 3 of chapter 1, and and maybe you find it interesting that right after James introduces himself as the author of the letter, he is about as cheery as I was just a couple of moments ago in telling the people that he's writing to that they're probably going to suffer. Listen to verses 2 and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Maybe the first question just to speak briefly about is, which James is this? If you remember back to learning the 12 disciples, there are actually two Jameses in the 12 disciples. James, the brother of John, who was one of the three in the inner circle of Jesus, sometimes we say. And then James, who is not as well known. Are you ready for a curveball? This James is neither one of the 12 disciples. This James is actually the brother or if you prefer, the half-brother of Jesus. And for a time in James' life, he did not see Jesus as the Messiah. As a matter of fact, most of Jesus' brothers and sisters rejected him, at least for a time. But then something changed in James' life. He embraced the idea that, yes, his own brother was the Messiah, the one who was promised. He became the leader of the church in Jerusalem, and he wrote this epistle. If you heard when I read chapter 1 before, James tells us that he's writing to the Jewish people who have been scattered throughout the Roman Empire. There was a time of persecution for Christians, and so those Jewish Christians were no longer living in their homes, and that's the people that James addresses people who were facing, in many cases, persecution. And then maybe you noticed, James doesn't say, consider it pure joy if you face trials. He says, consider it pure joy when, when you face trials. I know that's not a happy thought. We don't like to think of life as being filled with troubles. We like to think that everything's just, just going to be smooth sailing. But you see, James is preparing us, isn't he? He's preparing us for what might lie ahead in our lives. Jesus said, too, in this world, you will have trouble. And when Paul and Barnabas re- were on the return trip on their first missionary journey, they said it this way, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Is it fair to say that James isn't so concerned about whether or not we're going to face troubles? He knows that we are. His concern is about our reaction, how we react to those troubles. That's why he writes, considerate Pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. James wants you and me to have an expectation. An expectation that something good can come out of even those times that we consider hurtful, painful, testing, suffering. And that's why James wants us to consider them pure joy. The good that God can accomplish. What James wants us to do is not ask, Why, God, are you doing this? But what are you teaching me? What can I learn from the difficulties that I face? Maybe somebody, some of you know uh, this woman on the screen. Uh, I remember her story from when I was way back in my teen years. Her name is actually pronounced Johnny because her dad wanted a boy and ended up with a girl. But Johnny Erickson Tata, dove into the waters of the Chesapeake Bay back in 1967, and she underestimated how shallow those waters were. Because of her dive, she suffered a severe spinal injury that left her a quadriplegic. And she would tell you that the first couple years of dealing with that injury were not pleasant. She was an angry person. Angry with God, angry with life, angry with the people around her. But she realized that was no way to live. Through the promises that she read in God's word, she found joy even in her suffering. I'm sure you won't be surprised to know that, that Johnny has written extensively about her experience, encouraging spiritual books. She is a Christian motivational and inspirational speaker. And here's my favorite part. You can buy some of her artwork. She paints with her mouth. She puts a paintbrush in her mouth and she paints pictures that if you go home and Google it, you'll find her pictures that are actually out there that you can get reprints of. She decided that she couldn't live that way anymore. Angry and resentful. My favorite thing that Johnny ever said is about her wheelchair. She tells people that she wants her wheelchair to go with her to heaven. Not because she needs it, but because she wants to stash it off into a corner and have a conversation like this with Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, you see that chair over there? That was a big part of my life. And the weaker that that chair represented my life, how weak my life was, the harder I had to lean on you. And the stronger, she said, you became to me, Jesus. Without that chair, she said, without the bruising of that experience, She would never have been the person that she was or done the things that she did. She called it a blessed bruise. Hmm. Think about that just for a second. What a way to respond to the difficulties of this life, right? To recognize they hurt, that they're bruises. But then to look for the blessings that God wants to bring through those difficulties that we experience. James talks about the same thing in verses 4 to 5, the, what those bruises in our lives accomplish. He writes this Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That's the goal of our suffering, to produce perseverance, endurance, to build up our faith. James uses the word testing, and I think there are times that we perhaps think of the word testing in the wrong way. We think that God is putting us to the test because God wants us to prove to him that we are his faithful believers. Can I submit this to you? That testing is never done for God's benefit, but always for our own. The testing that God allows in our lives is always meant to produce blessings for us. I suppose it would be something like this. Let's say that I decided sometime in 2023 that I was going to run a half marathon. Probably not going to happen, but just pretend with me for a moment. Probably not wise for me to get home today and lace up some running sneakers and see if I can make 13 miles on my first run, right? You have to build up some endurance. You have to work into it. But then, is it also fair to say this? Endurance isn't the goal of why I would do that. The goal is to finish the race. That's exactly the idea behind testing and trials as well. God wants us to finish the race. That word, Original word in the Greek has has some different meanings that all kind of end up in the same spot. The word is telos. And James actually uses it twice in verse 4. That perseverance will finish its work and make it complete. It means both of those things. To end, to complete, to perfect. And isn't that a beautiful picture of what God is doing for us? He's preparing us for something better. He's preparing us to be whole and complete and perfect. Not necessarily here in this life, but forever. James calls it wisdom. And wisdom is what God wants to give, even through the trials that we have. The wisdom to see that yes, there are blessings even in the difficulties. Isn't that what wisdom is? Applied knowledge, applied learning. So that when those trials come in our lives, we can say, okay God, I'm not sure exactly what you're trying to accomplish. But I know you love me, and I know you want what's best for me. And so this must be something that's working to complete me, to finish me, to perfect me for my life with you forever in heaven. I'm sure none of you are strangers to the fact that when the new year rolls around, everybody makes this commitment that lasts, depending on who you are, days, weeks, maybe a month or so. I got to exercise more, right? So the gym memberships go up, Peloton bicycles are bought, treadmills are used, everybody wants to pump some iron, right? Because we all know, we all know that to be in peak physical condition, you have to exercise, you have to do something. You know the old adage, right? No pain, no gain. So how does that work with our faith? How does it work with faith to exercise that muscle, the muscle of our faith? Isn't it possible that the way that God helps us exercise our faith is by letting us experience a little pain? To know that we have to lean on him? To know that our full strength is found not in ourselves, but in the promises that he makes to us in his word? God allows things to happen in our lives so that we are holding on to him. And to his promises and staying on that path to an eternity with him. So we know those trials will happen. We know that we grow from those trials. And James tells us one last thing that we will overcome. Listen to verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I think you probably heard the word blessed. Blessed are those when you stand up under trials, when you persevere through trials? Because God knows what's, out, what's coming out on the other end. The crown of life. I suppose when we think about the idea of a trial, I personally can't think of something that would cause me much more anxiety than having to go to trial for crimes that I knew I had committed. As you sit at trial and you listen to all the testimony presented, and somehow you're hoping that either the sentence will be lighter or maybe people will see the reasons for why you maybe did the things that you did and, and go easy on you. The idea of a trial can bring some anxiety. But when God promises us the crown of life, that's a verdict that is completely unexpected. Before we confess, didn't we? A year's worth of sins. And if we think about it, we know there are times that impure thoughts have gone through our minds, words have been spoken that have been hurtful to others, things that we have done have not measured up to the love that God has demonstrated to us first. We worry and complain and become anxious about the things of this life. And if there were a verdict handed down, we would not be surprised to hear the word guilty. Because we are. And we would not be surprised either to hear the sentence of our guilt. Paul wrote it this way in Romans chapter 6, the wages of sin is death. But doesn't that make the verdict that God gives us so much more amazing? What should have happened is not what happened at all. Because God sent a substitute, someone to take our place, and that someone is Jesus. Jesus took all of our trials on himself, living in this life, One who was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. And then Jesus carried a cross. He carried a cross for us to a hill called Calvary. And there he sacrificed himself as the payment for your sins and mine, so that we are free from that sin. And God can say to you and me that we have a crown of life. And that crown of life That's our eternal life in heaven with our Lord. A place without trials, a place without troubles, a place without the fears and the worries of life in this world. And it might take a little bit to get there. There might be some suffering this side of heaven. There might be some ways that God tries to keep us on that narrow path. But in the end, God promises the crown of life will be worth it. James says it this way, uh, Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 3, chapter 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Just a couple of takeaways from our New Year's Day sermon today. Number one, as God's people, we expect that we will face trials. We know that hardships are coming. We know that difficulty is a part of our lives. I had a professor, a wise professor, who said this, the symbol of a Christian life is a cross and not a couch. Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter 8, whoever would come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Number two, God uses our difficulties to strengthen our faith and to produce wisdom. As Paul wrote to the Corinthians, He said this, Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You see the picture, right? If we're going to weigh the troubles of this life against eternal life, there simply is no comparison. You can't compare what the weight of the troubles of this life are to the joy of life eternal. And then finally, number three, through Jesus, we have a crown of life waiting for us in heaven. Through the Apostle John, in his letter to the churches, Jesus spoke these words in Revelation chapter 2, Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. As we think about 2023 and beyond, we know that the Christian life isn't always going to be easy. And yet we know that even in the ups and downs, the trials, the frustrations, the tests that come in this life, there is still joy. There's joy because we know that God is accomplishing perseverance for our faith as he leads us to our eternal home. I think about what people in this world would be willing to sacrifice if they knew that there was an amount of money waiting for them that would make them comfortable for the rest of their lives. Or or what people would spend if only they could be in perfect health for a little while longer. Think about that. The sacrifices we're willing to make in this world for things that are temporary. And God promises you something that will last forever. An eternal life with him, a crown of life that will be yours. I can't say it any better than words on the slide. Will it be easy? No. But will it be worth it? Absolutely. God bless you in 2023 with more than just a happy new year, but one filled with joy. Amen. Peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus, amen.